Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 72 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show, and you can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes365, and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365. We're always on there dis- having baseball discussions. Andrew right now is posting a lot of Dynasty convert ha- polls on there as of late and been bringing some good thoughts and discussions going on there. And, you know, it's pretty quiet right now, I will say. There's still people posting and stuff, but usually all off-season and during the season, it's very active. Right now it's kind of a unique circumstance. I think we would all agree on that. All right, let me introduce Andrew, and we always start with a question of the day, but this time it's going to be a little different. Andrew, you told me you've got a question today. Yeah, so uh, no, I just wanted to ask you, what is the best baseball game or best experience at a baseball game that you've ever had? Best experience? Honestly, probably because I've only been there once would have been my trip to Wrigley last year, just because I've always heard that's a great experience. And I've never been in St. Louis for like a playoff game or anything like that. I have been in Kansas City during playoff season, like in September, when they won the World Series in 2005. But I'd say it was probably my trip to Wrigley, my second, like my own team fan base. Uh, 2006, when the Cardinals won the World Series, I was in the at the game that the week, the last weekend of the season when they barely made it into the playoffs. They had a big win that pretty much secured the division for them. So that might be my biggest Cardinal experience, I'd say. Biggest moment. It's not nice. really that big. I have never been to a playoff game. Probably the next time I really think the Cardinals are contenders, I will make an effort to go. It's just always been tough for me in the past, but I want to go to one. All right, your turn. Nice. Cool. I, I know you've had some big Cub ones, so go for it. Yeah, I think... Mine would be the, um, I was at the game when the Cubs won the pennant and made it to the World Series. And as crazy as this sounds probably to most people, that night was as good to me as the night they won it. And I mostly just say that because, like, it was a step in the playoffs they hadn't gotten to since 1945, I think it was. And... Whether it's 1945 or 1908, which is the last time they won it, they were both before I was born. So it's yes. kind of like, you know, doesn't uh, it, the difference there is is nothing to me. But uh, yeah, just being in being in that uh, being at Wrigley when all that happened, it was awesome. I, definitely the that's definitely it for me. I did catch a Soriano home, home run ball back in 2008. Alfonso Soriano, that was wow. pretty cool. Yeah, but the um, the game they won the pennant for sure. I had chills all night. It was just great. Yeah, being there makes that even more special. But I I totally get the whole you hadn't seen them get to that point. Two thousand four was the first time the Cardinals made the World Series when I and since like I started watching baseball as a young kid and 
when I saw that, when they made it, I mean, they got swept by the Red Sox, but that was a pretty special year for Boston. I was just happy they made it. I was, it was exciting yeah. to see them at least get there. So I can understand yeah. that. And that's as a Cardinal fan, you can multiply that by a lot because of the Cub fans and, or because of the Cubs and just how long it had been for them. But yeah, I yeah. buy that. Yep. Well, this is part two of the prospect breakdown where we're going to go over Andrew's top 100 list. If you haven't listened to it already, I highly recommend you go down don't go download last episode where Andrew and I went over players 1 through 50 on his list. And Andrew has since posted it onto the Facebook group. So you can hear it on if you go join the or you can see it if you go join the Baseball 365 Facebook group. I think I still have it pinned to the top. If not, it's just go search for it. It's not too hard to find just by hitting the top and typing Andrew's name, and you'll see his. And I think you have to hit most recent, and you'll see the most recent posts he made, and it's up there near the top. But Andrew, uh, you posted that. You it's been about a week now since we recorded. Have you had much feedback so far? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Just nice list, mostly. You know, just kind of told told the people that have reached out like it's just it's not an easy thing to do you know it's just it's tough a lot of these guys are close there's varying opinions on all of them i try to just inject as much of my opinion into it as i can but obviously you know some of these are going to look really bad in a year or two and some hopefully will look really good so have you had anybody comment about like being surprised about where you had somebody on there no not really no Huh. Well, I, I, I felt the same way when I put the dynasty list up. I got a lot of people commenting on it and saying nice job and all that, but I didn't really get quite as many, hey, why is this guy here or there? But we did have somebody reach out to us today. Uh, somebody reached out to me on Twitter and commented about how he really enjoyed that podcast. So hopefully we can do the same thing here for this one because we got 51 through 100 to go over. You ready to do this? Yep, Absolutely. Okay, we'll start off with everybody from 51 through 60. And I think I'm going to start right off butchering a name. Let's see, Geraldo Perdomo? Is that right? Yep. Ha! Good. Arizona That's good shortstop. to me. Um, Brandon Marsh with the Angels, outfielders at 52. Xavier Edwards is at 53, Tampa Bay second baseman, formerly with um, San Diego. Ronnie Mauricio with the Mets, a shortstop, at 54. Two-way player, mostly pitcher, Brendan McKay at 55. Nico Horner with the Cubs is at 56. Joey Bart, Giants catcher, is at 57. Uh, another Cub here, 58, Brendan Davis, outfielder. Tristan Casas, is that right and right? Yeah, or I Cass- believe so. Casas, uh, Casas, either's good for me. We got two Boston players here at 59 and 60. Tristan is at 59 as a first baseman, and Jeter Downs is at 60. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo. Let's start at the top of this group. He's a guy I know you like. Why don't you talk about him? Because I honestly don't know or remember much about him that I've heard you say previously. Yeah, he uh, he was signed by the Diamondbacks in 2016 out of the Dominican Republic. Uh, J2 period, you know, like that year. Uh, excellent approach. He's... Over the course of his career, a little over a thousand plate appearances. He's got a 411 OBP in the minor leagues, so that's obviously, you know, kind of top of the scale stuff there. 
pretty much their shortstop of the future once they traded uh, Jazz Chisholm to the Marlins. Kind of became clear that that was the route they were headed in. It's not a lot of power right now. Um, does have a little bit of speed, but you know could grow into say average power if it develops a little bit. I actually did see one of his home runs in person last year, so that was awesome. I went to a game. It was the it was the Angels low A team because that was the game I saw Jordan Adams and uh, Perdomo. Robinson too. No, that was a different game. This game okay. I saw Alec Thomas. Robinson wasn't there yet, but but yeah, I, Perdomo was one of the handful of guys I was going to see. You know, there were several in that game, and yeah, he he uh, hit one out to right field. It was it was pretty nice, but power is not really a big part of his game. I mean, it, like I said, it could could grow into maybe a little bit more of that. It's mostly approach, getting on base. He's kind of like a safe, high floor type player. Good defense at shortstop, which is obviously incredibly valuable. Um, yeah, I think he's really, really solid. Do you know what grade offhand people give his speed? Most of the stats? Uh, mostly above average, 55. Okay. Huh. All right. And that's the hardest thing to find right now is getting guys that steal. Even if a 55 speed guy can get you 20 bags or so, that's hard to find in today's game. Yeah, and the and just getting on base, you know, and yes. and playing defense at that at that position, it kind of ensures that he should have some value. And if he grows at all with the bat, I mean, it obviously just could get really good. So, you know, he's got a fifty-five speed that I think of with a maybe get some power, good defense. It reminds me of Manny Margot, except with better plate approach. With what you're saying, because Margot, that's the thing; he doesn't take walks, and that's been his big bugaboo in the big leagues so yeah that's a valuable player because that i mean margot would be a much more valuable player if he could just grow onto the the obp okay um xavier edwards was a guy you were high on a year ago and i think his value has either remained the same or maybe slightly dropped over the last year and the thing i've heard most about other people talk about is his hard hit rate it doesn't sound like he's driving the ball much, but when he's getting on base, he is getting on base at a really good clip, and he is hardly striking out. You know, when looking at him, it kind of reminds me of Nick Madrigal with a few more strikeouts, yet more walks. Which, by the way, compared to Madrigal, a few more strikeouts means it's still a really good strikeout rate. But he's also further away, so what do you think about that comp in particular? I think there's I think there's some similarities. I think Madrigal's probably a little bit better of a hitter, but it's close. I mean, I think I kind of think with Edwards, it's similar. It's really similar, actually, to me of as to what I think of Bruhan. Just Bruhan's a little bit closer, but and we're going to get to Greg Jones a little further down, and I think these guys are all really similar. I mean, they're they're guys that. Their speed is kind of their carrying tool. I mean, Edwards gets on base at a high clip, you know, plays up the middle. It's kind of one of those things. I, I don't know where he's going to end up exactly on defense. He doesn't really have a strong arm, so he's probably not a shortstop long term, even though he's listed as one now. And the Rays, they mix and match a lot, so it's just – 
kind of like I said with Bruhan before, it's one of those things where if he falls into regular playing time and plays every day, I mean, I think Xavier Edwards could be awesome. But I just worry a little bit about some utility risk. One thing I do think is similar to Madrigal is kind of what I was saying with Madrigal about pitchers just coming right after him because he's not going to do serious damage to any pitch. It's like you, Xavier Edwards is the type of guy you don't want to walk him. No. So I just think that they're just going to go after him, kind of like I said with Madrigal, and probably like the the walk rates I could see dropping a little bit as he moves up the ladder. But if he's getting on base at a high clip, obviously he's going to be a fantasy stud, you know, combining that with playing time. I mean, because his, the speed's crazy. So, How do you feel about him? right now compared to a year ago in terms of him switching teams like he was in San Diego which was an incredibly deep system and he went to another really deep system but Tampa like you kind of said the utility role Tampa is the that Tampa is the organization that's the king of mixing and matching all the time do you do you give any account to that when ranking him maybe a little bit I don't I don't like to give like I don't like to think a ton about the team when ranking players just because they obviously can get moved. I mean, he already did, yep. you know. And by the time he gets there, you know, probably a couple years away, who knows if they're doing things exactly the way that they are now. You know, it just True. T- things happen, you know, if you're constantly just thinking that it's going to be that way when they get there sometimes it's different but but yeah it has to creep in your mind a little bit i mean there's definitely i i feel like there's definitely questions as to whether or not he plays absolutely every day but it's weighing that versus well if he does play every day i mean he's a huge threat in steals like i said kind of like bruhan it's just bruhan's closer to the majors i feel like he could be up you know, relatively soon in, in, in comparison to to Edwards. Yeah, he was getting taken in draft and hold leagues, Bruhan was, uh, this last offseason in terms of uh, everyone that we were assuming there was going to be a full 2020 season. Yeah. Uh, do you think Brendan McKay makes it as a two-way player, or do you think he will mostly be a full-time pitcher? I think it's mostly a, a full-time pitcher. Um I think it's like one of those where if they're in a pinch or they're in a spot in the game where they need him to pinch hit or come off the bench for whatever reason and do that, he may do it here and there, but not at any anything that's regular. I think he's just pretty much a pitcher. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I was always lower on him than majority of people the last few years because I just didn't see it. But he's made, He's a much better pitcher than I gave him credit for. I'll give him. I'll, I will say that he's become. I, I was worried that he could be the sum of like two things that he's just okay at. But he's done pretty well pitching. So yeah. what do you think of him overall as a pitcher? Yeah, he, he's one of those guys. If you just look at his minor league numbers, you would think he's like an ace in the making. I mean, yeah. he's one seventy eight ERA, point eight four WHIP in the minors career 172 innings pitch 226 k's i mean he's blown through the minors and done really really well 
but he just he really doesn't have a dominant pitch. I mean, he has plus command, several solid pitches that'll carry him, but I think he's kind of like a mid-rotation guy, maybe a little bit more. I mean, should be in the rotation pretty much right away, so we'll get to see it. Obviously, the AL East is tough. I mean, but yeah, I think he's solid with maybe a, a little bit of upside, but probably not like a guy that's just going to dominate at the very top of a rotation. So he's up this high. I should I say this high. It's not like it's a really, really high. You don't have him in the top 30 guy, but he's up. He's where he is because of proximity as much as anything then, right? Probably, yeah. But I also don't think you can ignore what he's done. I mean, no. you have to factor that in with – with kind of the rest of it, so. Okay. What are your thoughts on Jeter Downs? I f- it feels like I see him higher on other lists after the big breakout this last year. Do you, though, do you think you're down on him compared to the field, or do you think you're pretty on par with everybody? Would that be, uh, would that be called down on downs? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> no, uh Maybe a little bit, yeah. I mean, he had he had a really good season last year. Um, I've got him at 60. 24 homers, 24 stolen bases, mostly high A and a little bit at a little bit of double A there at the end. Uh, really, he's average to above average across the board. Could be a nice blend across all categories. But one thing I, I just kind of wonder, it's like it's his third different team in as many seasons. And typically when – you're a special prospect. It's like how many of those guys are traded twice? I just don't feel like there's too many examples of that. I mean, he was traded in the, the Yasiel Puig trade from the Reds to the, the Dodgers and then in the Mookie Betts trade to the, to the Red point. Sox. And um, I've also heard reports of him taking at bats off, being a little too passive. And some of those stolen base numbers are their instincts. He's kind of more of an average runner. So you just kind of wonder as he gets to the major leagues and he's stealing bases against major league catchers, how much of that is going to translate? Is he really going to be a big stolen base guy in the major leagues? I tend to think not, but you know, and he's probably more of a more of a second baseman in Boston, which isn't that's not a big deal or anything, obviously, because Xander's there. So he could be up soon. I mean, kind of see what happens. Maybe uh, maybe it'll be wind up being a little too low, but. I just kind of felt comfortable with him here. So that's a really good point about the trading. You don't see yeah. any prospects moved a couple times, and it does make you wonder if they're seeing something. Like the Dodgers are smart; they're right. they're the best run organization in pro sports, in my opinion. And they don't just let go of their prospects easy. Yeah, they got Mookie Betts, but even then, they won't move their elite guys if they feel like they just don't do it. So. Maybe there is something to that right there. Yeah. I feel like it, just in general, when you have a lot of these guys that are average to above average across the board, it's it's like one of those things. If one of those pieces isn't fully functioning, then it's a pretty big drawback on the player's value, you know? Uh-huh. So I don't know. I just I guess I, that's kind of where I'm at with Jeter Downs. Anybody else on this list you want to highlight? A uh, couple guys. I guess with uh, with Marsh, he I think Marsh is fairly close to the majors. I have him at 52. 
made an adjustment in his stance and kind of gave him improved results after struggling early in the year. Really good defender. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, he he might be their best best center fielder. And when you put when you say that in the same organization with Mike Trout, I mean that's kind of crazy to say, but he's just a, an excellent defender. Um, maybe solid, unspectacular guy at first, but room to grow there for sure. Mauricio's kind of a interesting guy. Hasn't gotten great results yet. Probably a third baseman, but just a pretty nice body, big kid. Um, should grow into some power. And then I wanted to touch a little on what do you think of my Horner ranking? I wanted to touch on that. I I feel like I'm a little bit down on him, but I'm just wondering what you what was your initial reaction to that? Fifty six. Yeah. I, I would say I agree. I think he was a little lower, but honestly, I didn't give too much thought to it when I saw it. I didn't really, he didn't stick out to me one way or another on that. So I don't have too yeah. strong of a take on that one. Yeah, mostly, I mostly have him here because uh, I I think that, I mean, obviously played 20 games in the majors. He's been up and he should be up, if not right away, very soon. I guess my main thing is I just I don't know what's really going to carry him in fantasies. Uh-huh. He's like one of those guys. He's a good hitter. I could see him hitting at or near the top of a lineup. But it's like one of those guys. I think he's going to have to be carried by batting average and runs scored. And I just think there's some risk in that, you know? Yeah. Because he doesn't have big power. He doesn't have a lot of speed. And without a step forward somewhere, I just I don't know. I think it's a little bit a little bit ordinary. On the flip side, there's Brennan Davis, and also in the Cubs system, and he was really one of the big breakouts last year. Three hundred five, three eighty one, five twenty five slash line at low A, one sixty WRC plus K rate under twenty percent, averaged a plus across the board, and still kind of improving. So if he adds some strength, I mean, you could get five categories here. Could be a guy that really moves up moves up the list so kind of my take on a few of these guys to comment on horno and what you just said there that almost sounds like what you're like adam eaton and you you and i like adam eaton year after year but that's what if you're hoping for that as the upside i mean adam eaton doesn't go that early in drafts and that that just means a player like that yeah you're you're needing a lot for them to hold a little bit of value yeah and i don't think i don't think horner will ever be like uh big walk guy no or no. as much of a walk guy as as eaton is so no yeah i don't minor, know just minor league stats don't show that at all yeah so so yeah if you're talking about a poor man's adam eaton yeah okay let's move on to 63 uh, 61 through 70 evan white the mariners first baseman's at 61 st louis cardinals own matthew libertor at 62 thank you again tampa um tariq Skubal. 63 for the Tigers. Helio Ramos, the Giants outfielder, is at 64. Grayson Rodriguez, the, I think, 2018 first-round pick for the Baltimore Orioles pitcher, is at 65. Luis Matos uh, with the Giants is at 66. Clark Schmidt, 67 for the Yankees uh, pitcher, that is. J.J. Blade, recent first-round pick. Actually, we got two back-to-back first-round picks from this last summer with Miami outfielder. Uh, Hunter Bishop, the Giants' first-round pick outfielder last year, is at 69. And Miami pitcher Sixto Sanchez, 
who was part of the JT Real Muto deal about a year ago, is at 70. Let's start off with Evan White here. Decent hit tool, signed the contract, will debut when baseball starts back up. Reminds me of a poor man's Eric Hosmer as I read scouting reports on him. That sound fair? I don't know if I don't know if I'd call it a poor man's Eric Hosmer because that's like kind of insulting these days. But um, <laughs> I poor man's Eric Hosmer, the guy that came up whenever he was yeah like the twenty five home run guy that he was when with the Royals he was he was a different guy than what he is now. So I mean yeah. more the Royal version. Yeah, with Evan White, it's it's just a really really strange profile if you think about it. So he's a first baseman. And his two best tools are his defense and his speed. And his worst tool is his power. So it's like polar opposite of everything you ever think of in a first baseman. I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, he is close. I think he's going to probably start, if not right away, very soon. I mean, he could win gold gloves at first base. He's going to play every day. And... Probably at that position, he'll just need to reach some new heights in power to, to be a difference maker. I mean, it could just be one of those guys that is helpful in deeper leagues because he's going to play and you know contribute counting stats, stats and stuff like that. He's a pretty good hitter. I mean, he's going to produce, but as far as being a real difference maker, I mean, I don't know where I see it, even though he's a plus runner. He's got seven steals in 230 minor league games, so he's never been like a big time guy on the base pass. But like I said, his defense will keep him in there. He is gonna he is gonna be in there every day. So it's kind of a guy that it's it's hard to know what to make of him. I I felt comfortable putting him here, but uh, if, if you had him higher or lower than this, I, I wouldn't argue it. So yeah, that's not even many steals. That made me go look at Hosmer's FanGraph page while you were talking and. I guess he didn't steal many bags in the minor leagues either. He did come up and steal 38 bags in his first three seasons. So he at least chipped yeah. in a few until that t- tallied off. But, yeah, maybe. At first okay. base, at first base, you just have to get to a certain level of power to even yes. matter. You know, it's like if you're a first baseman, I mean, if that is a weak spot for you, like if you don't have much power, I mean, how – how often have you looked at a first baseman without much power and really wanted to roster him in fantasy? I mean, it's just, it's not something that really ever happens. So nope. ho- hopefully he can hit for more. I mean, I won't say he can't. He's only 24, but, you know, that's kind of what you're hoping if you're uh, buying into Evan White. There are quite a few pitchers on this list. Which arm has the highest upside of this group if everything clicks? So we've got. Matthew Libertor at 62, Tariq Skubal at 63, Grayson Rodriguez at 65, Clark Schmidt at 67, and Sixto at at 70. I would say the highest upside is Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, uh, I like that big, kid. Big kid, double-plus fastball, tops out at 97-98. Really good secondaries. I've seen various grades on those. Um. And last year, he spent the entire year at the, in the South Atlantic League, low A, for the Orioles, 129 Ks and 94 innings pitched, 268 ERA, .99 whip, and 20 starts. So plenty of room to move up. I think, like I, like I said, I think there's a high ceiling here. Um, and I think that the Orioles are getting 
better with the new regime as far as developing pitching than we've kind of always known them known them to be. So he would be my guy for ceiling of the group. But you know, I'm in a dynasty league where the guy who has Grayson Rodriguez has a very weak minor league system. He's a compete now guy who uses his chips quickly and competes and he has Grayson Rodriguez and every time he asked me about anybody last year that was usually the first thing I'd bring up. I'm like, well, what about Grayson Rodriguez? No matter who he was. I mean, when he was asking for somebody that was not one of my elite players, I should say. Just hoping yeah. I could sneak him in, and I never did. I mean, that's about the point conversations ended every time. Yeah. He he was asking about, you know, just non-star major leaguers, and I would always go back to that. Um, what about highest floor, assuming they're healthy, which of course we cannot do with pitchers, but who would you say, let's just hypothetically say they all are pretty healthy for the next five years. Who's got the highest floor of these guys? Uh, I'm going to go with one of my favorite pitching prospects, uh, Matt Libertor. Um, I think that kind of worst case, he's like a mid rotation guy. <clears throat> and I think there's definitely room for upside polished young lefty can hit 97 on the gun um and in, it, next up for him is the florida state league where his numbers could spike it's pitchers league i could even see him building even more velocity six five 200 pounds and um just a just a nice size big you know big lefty kid he slipped to 16th overall in the draft i actually going into that draft 2018 i i really liked him i was actually surprised when he slipped that far but he's got good control i trust the cardinals to develop him properly i mean they're a good organization and i just i won't be surprised if there's another level for him i, I kind of feel like he's just enough under the radar i i feel like i'm fairly aggressive on him here but i feel like he's just enough under the radar in fantasy circles where uh, people quite aren't quite like completely tuned in on it yet, but I think he's a stud. I mean, I definitely see a floor there and and a fairly high ceiling. Maybe quite not the ceiling that Grayson Rodriguez has, but I think he's going to be good. In our league, I remember you sneaking a nice deal in for him about a year ago. I don't remember the pieces, and we don't have to go into it, but I remember you making yeah. a nice little trade. And anytime you're trading for some one of these kids, I usually pay a little more attention. I'm like, what are you seeing? Yeah, I actually, I actually don't remember what that was. I have to look it up. I know, I, 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 know, I, know I, I know, I know who you traded with. Oh, okay, I know I own him, but I just don't remember what the trade was. I've got a guess, but I'll, I'd, I'd have to look to see if I'm right. Uh, talk about Luis Matos. I know he's a trendy name right now. Yeah, huge, huge pop up guy last year. Uh, signed with the with the Giants in the 2018 July two signing period when they. When they got uh, Luciano and Jairo Pomares, crushed the DSL last year in a small five-game sample in the AZL. Total of 60 games, 367, 438, 566 slash 171 WRC plus, which in that league was same league as Noel V. Marte. He had a higher WRC plus than Noel V. Marte. No carrying tool at the moment. I mean, he's kind of above average or average to above average kind of across the board, but good range in center field. I mean. He does everything well. He's really young, so just kind of um, hope that he continues to grow. I mean, he's shown a little bit more power than they originally thought he would, so that's a good sign. Man, I, I tell you, I love the Giants system. Giants, 
they've got so many guys that aren't it's like one of those systems where i can see in a year or two i've said this multiple times but in a year or two them having one of the one of the best systems if not if not the best system in the game they're just all really young and still kind of far away but it's coming it's crazy how much they've changed in the last two years because they were the poor one right there at the bottom of the league in terms of systems just two years ago. But yeah, yeah, they've, they've added a bunch of interesting international guys. They've drafted some, had some good drafts. Yeah. They're, they're going to be a team to, that's going to be fun to look at over the next year or two. Yeah. Uh, any, anything else to add on any of these guys? A few other interesting names here. Um, I, I guess I could touch on Blade a little bit. I I feel like Blade is a guy that a lot of people are high on. Uh, he went fourth overall in the draft. He's advanced college bat. I have just a few issues with him. It it's like one of those things. So I look at I look at his profile. It's like he's tied to a corner. He's not going to contribute in steals. So the bat has to play. I think the bat's going to play. He's a good hitter with good power. Did have just a 107 WRC plus at high A, which is kind of concerning for a, a college bat. I mean, you just expect a college bat to do better than that at high A. It wasn't a crazy, crazy big sample or anything, but just something that kind of raises an eyebrow. I I think that this is just one of those guys where, you know, in fantasy, you look at it. This is just how I always look at it is there's three things that really matter when you're looking at the guys on your team and it's hit power and speed. And with Blade, you're already taking the speed out. I mean, he's not going to really provide anything on the base paths. So, and I just, I guess my main thing is I just wonder if he can actually hit and hit for power. I mean, when you have one of those two not present, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty hard to, be anything more than just a regular guy. I've seen some Jay Bruce comps. Obviously, Jay Bruce provided a lot of power, never really was an average guy. I mean, you forgive the lack of one of the two when the guy has like Joey Gallo power. You know, like mm-hmm. Joey Gallo is forgiven that he can't really hit that well because he has an approach and he has 80 grade power, you know. But when Joey Gallo power turns into Hunter Renfro power, it's a lot less appealing, you know? And I just don't know with Blade if it'll work to excuse me, work together kind of with the hit tool and the uh, and the power. I've seen some people say they think he's gonna hit, but they question his power, and I've seen some people say the opposite. So I think those two kind of need to both happen if he's really going to make an impact. I mean, he definitely can, but just a few of the concerns I have. And Jay Bruce, I will say, I didn't think he held value that long in fantasy. I may look and feel like it's different if I go look at his stats. I remember some years where he was a fourth, fifth-round pick, third-round pick in 12-team leagues I played in, but it didn't seem like it sustained long. In terms of it, seemed it wasn't too long before the batting average started slipping down. Big bodied outfielder, and next thing you know, he's more of a late round guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll move on here to step into the seventy one through eighty. Robert Poisson, 
big international signing with the A's last year, is at 71. Mycel Arbina uh, with the Twins outfielder is 72. George Kirby, Seattle pitcher, 73. Greg Jones, another first-round pick last year, shortstop with Tampa, 74. I guess three of the first four guys on this list are first-year player guys. Actually, Ethan Hankins, too, at 75 with the um, Indians pitcher. Then we got Jordan Adams with the Angels at 76. Luis Angel Acuna with the Texas Rangers shortstops at 77. Also, Ronald Acuna's younger brother. Uh, Jonathan India at 78 with the Reds. 79 is Sam Hilliard with the Rockies. And 80 is Sean Murphy with the Oakland A's. So, Urbina, I know he's another one of you guys, your guys. Why don't you start off talking about him? Uh, yeah, he's outfielder in the in the twin system, athletic center fielder, plus speed. Uh, should grow into more power, but it's below average right now. I mean, that's kind of what you hope with a guy like this. Plus hit tool, could be a dynamic top of the lineup guy. Had a 12% swinging strike rate and a 6.5% 6, 6. K rate, which were both top three in the Dominican Summer League. I mean, once he comes over, could go a few different ways, but I just like the combination here, athletic ability, hit tool, approach, speed. I think he's mostly underrated in fantasy circles. It's another trend here with the speed. It's a hard thing to find. Uh, Jonathan India, his value dropped in the fantasy community this past year. I think you predicted in your prediction up when we were doing our prediction episode last year that he'd be a top 2020 top 10 prospect uh let me add that you did nail most of the rest of that list so this might have been the only miss of that group he's still in your top 100 but lower than most thought he'd be right at this point a year ago what are your thoughts on india now compared to a year ago yeah definitely down from from a year ago i mean he's he still kind of has the across the board skill set. I mean, it's kind of solid and unspectacular. You know, posted WRC pluses last year, one twenty five in the uh, in the Florida State League in eighty seven games, one thirty eight in the Southern League in thirty four games. I that's feel, good. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's fine. You know, I I don't feel it. He is twenty three and a college bat, so I guess maybe you're, you'd hope for a little more. I feel like I'm sticking with him a little more than a lot of people are. I mean, I think there's a, an outcome here where it's like a, just an across-the-board guy that can hit and probably plays every day. You know, I don't know how great he'll be. I mean, we'll see. You know, these young kids, they can grow. I still think India can grow. A lot of people are questioning his athleticism more than they were, which is, you know, is fair. And... He uh, he can definitely take a walk. I mean, 13.8% walk rate in 2019, 11 homers, 11 steals. Kind of a average or better everywhere type of guy. And I, I don't know. I just think he's getting uh, crushed by too many people around, around the industry. But maybe I'll be the one that's wrong. I mean, he's at 78, so it obviously can kind of go either way. You just mentioned 125 and 134. Did you say those were his WRC pluses? 125 and 138, yeah. Okay. So for comparison's sake, 
Kyle Tucker with the Astros, you've said the stat before. 34 home runs, 30 steals last year. WR in the AAA, and he had a WRC plus of 113. Yeah. Yeah, PCL, you have to, you can yes. have, there's actually a guy, well, I'll just mention him because he's right below it, but Hilli, uh, Sam Hilliard. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read this line. Listen, <laughs> I just jotted it down here. 262. So this is Sam Hilliard in the PCL last year. And this, this was his line, 262, 335, 558 slash, 35 homers, 22 steals, 109 runs scored, 101 RBIs, and that was good for a 107, <laughs> 107 WRC plus. So just funny. I mean, you have to, the PCL, it's just, it's like course Field on steroids in the minors. Do you think that he makes it? He's in the majors, explosive upside, obviously. But there's so much swing and miss in that game. Yeah, I mean he 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 strikes out a lot. I mean high K rate in the minors, a little over twenty seven percent. He's the oldest guy on my list, twenty six. Uh, the pluses are he's in line pretty much for an everyday job. Obviously, NLDH is only going to help that. And you know he's he's pretty much ready to go. Coors Field is home. I mean obviously with the Rockies. There's no guarantees, but um, assuming he gets those reps, I mean, I, I think there's a pretty high short-term ceiling. Long-term, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, it's hard to say, especially with the Rockies. But short-term opportunity could mean better things in the future too. What do you think if you owned him in a dynasty league? His value isn't insanely high right now, but it also could completely bottom out. Just 30, 60 games into the next regular season when baseball began. Would this be a guy you think you'd be trying to move around if you were, if you thought that the man, do you think the demand's out there to where you'd be trying to move him, Or would you just be holding them thinking that demand's not high enough? I might as well hold on to him and see if it clicks because the upside's huge. No, I think I'd hold him. I don't think I that think- the thing is, is, Whenever I'm asked that type of question, I always put it in the context of it depends on how much somebody wants him. You know, I mean, obviously, I I would I could tell two different people to sell like I could tell one of them to if they were asking me about the same guy, I'd tell one of them to sell him and one of them to buy him, depending on the return. I mean, obviously, there's. It, if there's somebody that's really, really hot for Sam Hilliard, everybody has a price. But I just think that universally, like if I'm looking at this as there's just kind of the law of averages, what I think most people are going to do, I think it's probably more beneficial overall to just hang on to him and see what happens. I mean, I don't think that the na- like it's I don't think it's too big yet, you know, to where okay, now it's time to cash him out. So. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a guy I'd hold. I would agree with that. Greg Jones and Jordan Adams, those guys are pretty similar to me. Speed players with raw hit tools, both with huge upside, but also big question marks. Do you think you like those two more, less, or close to the same as most of the other guys out there in the field making less? Maybe a little bit more. I mean, just... Mostly because of the because of the speed. I think Jones 
pretty much with Jones, everything I've said about Bruhan and Edwards, I think it's very similar, especially given the the team context that is the same for all three. I have questions with Jones about the position too, which is, like I said, similar to Bruhan and Edwards. So that part of it's kind of the same. I did get to uh, see Jordan Adams last year in that in the game I was talking about with Perdomo. Um, so athletic, man. I tell you, this guy, everything he does out there is just so smooth. I was watching him in warm-ups, and by the time the game started, it was just so abundantly clear that he was the best athlete on the field, you know, the best athlete in the stadium that day, probably the best athlete in any game he's ever played in, honestly. I mean, he, he turned down a chance to play baseball and football at North Carolina. I, I saw there's a video of him on YouTube of throwing down a dunk. I mean, he's just crazy athletic and re- only is just recently started completely focusing on baseball, you know, which obviously once guys start doing that, sometimes it, it really blossoms, but yeah, everything he does is, is smooth. 11.7% walk rate, 22% K rate. He wasn't great last year, but he wasn't above average hitter in the Midwest league and just needs to continue to hit so he can get on base, but it's 80 grade speed. I mean, I uh, I like him quite a bit. Yeah, he's a fascinating one. And athlete is definitely the word to give to that guy. Raw athlete. Yep. Uh, Robert Poisson. I think he's got the he got the same signing bonus Jason Dominguez did. If I recall it, it was like five million. Did he get a? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I think it was the exact same. I want to say five point two off the top of my head, but that might be wrong. But I'm not sure. He'd be in my personal top 100. I know we did cover him a few months ago, but why? Do, like hearing me say that, why do you think you would be say you're higher on him than I would be? Because I'm a moron. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I might, I might be the moron. Who knows? But <laughs> no, it's uh, with Poisson. It's it's really just an upside play. I think that there's. Some risk. I mean, he has a long swing. His pitch recognition needs work. But, I mean, he's 17. He's got speed. He's going to play shortstop. Smooth actions at shortstop. Double plus arm. And it's just kind of that, like, long, lean body type that you can dream on a little bit. I mean, I think it's one of those guys that, because of the pitch recognition stuff, he could have a slow start, and it could it could hurt him. There's no doubt. But what I will say is if he doesn't, like if he starts hot, this guy is just going to fly up. I mean, he's, yes. he is just going to go. I, I really think that he could get all the way to the top. I mean, I think that there's a scenario where he's like a top 10 or 20 prospect in not too long if he if he does that. I mean – that's where kind of the questions lie because of some of that with the hit tool and him being so young. But there's, it's just definitely a guy that if he starts hot, he's going to soar. And I, I think I'm kind of playing it in the middle here where it's like I could see it going either way. But I, long term, I, I definitely like Poisson. I just wonder, I wonder how it'll be short term. So I kind of just felt comfortable having him here. There are so many other fascinating names on on this group. Really, this whole 71 through 80, I think, is just a bunch of fascinating names. Uh, The guys we have mentioned already, but uh, a couple more. Ethan Hankins, 
uh, Acuna, Kirby. Any of these three you want to cover here, or maybe Sean Murphy? Any of those guys? Yeah, no, I, I know I've talked about Hankins before. Um, I've got him at 75. He was a candidate to go 1-1 in the 2018 draft. Just had a minor, minor shoulder injury that pushed him down. But with Hankins, for me, it really it's pretty simple. It's I think he's fairly cheap still, and I think he has pretty big upside. There's pedigree. Indians have done really well developing pitchers. He's got the size. He's got the big fastball. You know, like there's a lot of things to like there, and he's not pricey yet. So it's like when you when you kind of put all that together, that's kind of what I like in a pitching prospect, especially not being pricey because once they're pricey, it's just kind of like I'll just wait it out, you know. But um, definitely love Hankins. Kirby, I think, is – a really solid guy, like a guy that's going to be mid-rotation at least, double-plus command, which is phenomenal for any type of pitching prospect. Pro debut, he struck out 25, walked zero, so that's really good. Um, and he does run his fastball up to 97-98. I hear, hear a lot of people uh, kind of point to Shane Bieber when they're discussing Kirby, and that's probably unfair, but a lot of the things that are said about Kirby now were said about Shane Bieber two years ago. So it's true. I mean, it's it's one of those things. It it can happen, you know. It, stuff like this will just these guys develop, especially when they've got double plus command. It's just kind of a rare trait for uh, for a pitcher. So definitely like like George Kirby. I I think that he's one with a chance that can a chance to become more if he just makes normal strides that a lot of these uh, these guys tend to make. So. Yeah, fun group there. Yeah, like I, said, I think I think I say it's fun because I like a lot of those guys there. Yeah, I do too. Hank it. Okay, eighty-one. We'll go Edward Cabrera with the Miami Marlins pitcher. Uh, Logan Gilbert, pitcher for Seattle at eighty-two. Dalton Varsho, uh, who's a catcher slash I think outfielder for Arizona. Does he play some outfield? Is that his other position? I think it was mostly catcher last year, but yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Hedbert Perez outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers at 84. Uh, pop-up pitcher Jordan Belazovic um, with Minnesota is at 85. Braylon Marquez with the Cubs at 86. Josh Young, uh, first-round pick with the Rangers last year, is at 87. Mitch Keller is at 88 with the Pirates. Jose Yurkuti, uh with Houston pitcher is at 89. And Jorge Mateo with the Oakland A's is at 90 and Varsho, like we were just saying, he's a fun player, but he is our, he is a minor league catcher who can steal bases. He's stolen 40 over the last two seasons, but I don't think it's looking likely that he's going to be a full-time catcher. But the, my first question then is Andrew, do you think he, he can at least carve a part-time catcher role and play other positions holding fantasy relevance or is this ranking here more of a kind of a just in case he holds that spot? Yeah. With far show it's, it is, it's really about just, does he keep his catcher eligibility? Uh, last year he spent the whole year at double a only struck out 13.9% of the time, almost went 2020, 18 homers, 21 steals, 
WRC plus of 159 over 108 games. I uh, played a played a few games in center field, but they've discussed left field. They've discussed second base. It's uh, it's kind of one of those things where his ultimate home on defense will just go a long way in determining how impactful he is. I mean, for as long as he has, I, I can tell you this: for as long as he has catcher, this ranking is probably too low. Yes. And I built some of that in. Because I don't know how long he'll be a catcher. He's not great behind the plate. His arm's below average, maybe average at best. But he does have, you know, he's a good hitter and has uh, above average speed. So I kind of think of this guy not not the exact um, not the exact skill set, but it reminds me of some of the things I've heard about Francisco Mejia, like a couple of years ago, just. Like, well, will he stick at catcher and, mm-hmm. you know, he's a good hitter and all that. Not so much the speed part of it, but just uh, the defensive questions, I guess. So, yeah, it's really it. I mean, if they throw him in left field or second base, I don't know. I don't know how how uh, how much I'm jazzed up for him in fantasy if that happens. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, you only have to catch, you know, depending on your league. I mean, you only have to catch so many games a year to keep that eligibility and it's probably best for his eligibility to catch like 15 to 20 games a year or whatever is enough to just get you, get you that eligibility and then play in the field the rest of it. Because, you know, catching takes a toll on your body and stuff like that. Seems like a handy thing to have. If you were able to have him as a second catcher oh, yeah. and still be able to float him around and not have to actually have a second catcher, like, but you know, he can play other positions too. In a, be real handy to have. in a perfect world for Dar- Dalton Varsho, he's playing in the outfield or, you know, second base, wherever they put him for like a hundred games. And he's pl- behind the plate for like 20 to 30. And cause then that way you're getting probably more games than most catchers are going to play. He's eligible at catcher and he's got some speed. You know, and that's that's just all like unique stuff that people are going to just they're going to be interested in it in fantasy for as long as he has that that C next to his name. So moving on, uh, Edward Cabrera, Gilbert Belazovic are three arms that had really nice seasons last year and moved up ranks. I don't think any of the three were considered top 100 guys a year ago, but Mitch Keller was kind of the opposite. Well, he was fine in the minors, um, had 48 innings pitched in the majors um, during the, that year, though, last year, and he struggled to a 7.13 ERA. Though the XFIP is much kinder, it showed a, at 3.47, which is closer to what he was doing in his minor leagues performances over the years. So, Keller, he's inside your top 100, but near the bottom. So a question I keep asking you is, he's someone you feel you're high or low on at this point? I don't feel really either. Kind of just in in the middle, I guess. Did strike out 65 batters in his 48 innings pitched in the uh, the majors. Had some pretty bad luck. I mean, 475 BABIP, 59.6% strand rate. I mean, that's... It just led to the 713 ERA, a lot of that. You know, it was a 319 FIP. I know you mentioned the X FIP. 
Uh, I mean, it's trending nicely for a rebound. I know there's people who like like him in redraft leagues. I uh, I think I mean he'll have an opportunity right away. I think he could be a mid rotation starter, maybe a number two. Has uh, you know fastball touches ninety nine. 26.8% swinging strike rate last year on his slider, so that's good. Change changeup's been kind of inconsistent. It's kind of a mixed bag here. I mean, I I don't really know. I think he'll, like I said, he'll get the opportunity real soon and just kind of see what he does with it. I feel comfortable with him here. Um, he definitely could be good, but I also think in, there's a scenario where it's a little bit of a dumpster fire too. So, and with pitchers, I w- I would always and I should should have said this earlier, but I think some people know it. I, I would always rather be a little too low on a pitcher and have them prove me wrong, than just be too high on a pitcher and be like, "What was I doing?" You know. So. Mm-hmm. There's just so much risk in them, in, in general. Yeah. We've talked about before, performance and health. Yeah. Hedbert Perez is someone you've mentioned really liking in first-year player drafts. I think you got him in the second round in quite a few of your drafts. Uh, remind everybody why. God, I love this guy, man. I just this guy has everything that you want in a in a young. I mean, he's only seventeen. When he signed, he was sixteen last year. J two for the Brewers uh, from Venezuela, but he's a high contact guy, plus speed, efficient swing, hits the ball all over the field, and he's performed well in games. I mean, his his raw power right now is about a fifty five, but it could become plus. He's going to add strength. Makes good reads in center field. Already speaks English fluently. He's further away than probably just about everybody on this list. But this guy can—he can do everything. So he, it's just one of those guys that, if he uh, kind of hits the ground running in his pro debut, he's—I think he's going to move way up. I know some people are probably thinking like 84 Hedbert Perez is probably higher than they've seen it in most spots. But I'm baking mm-hmm. some of that in because I tell you, I mean, I. I think this guy is – I think he's the Brewers' top prospect in short order universally, and I already have him here. So that's not really saying much. I mean, the Brewers' system sucks, but, you know, it's just <laughs> – I definitely really like this guy. Uh, Jorge Mateo, we'll move on to that. He's been in the minors since I think you and I were in grade school. Uh, he did have a better season in AAA last year. He hit 289 with 19 home runs and 24 steals in 119 games. But that was the PCL, kind of like some of these other guys we were talking about. He is out of options, so he will be up when baseball resumes, or they'll have to. What that will he go and yeah, he'll have to go off the. He'll they'll have to cut him. So anyway, there are a lot, still a lot of questions about this guy's hit tool, but if it clicks, there is a lot of upside to be had, isn't there? Yeah, some. I mean, it's it's one of those where, and I know we've we've talked so much about Mateo over time. I feel like we just, at least with each other, I know we beat it into. Yeah, the, I was about to say with each other. Yeah, yes, yeah, with each other. But yeah, it's. I mean, top of the scale speed. If he gets regular playing time, he's going to matter in fantasy because of that, just that alone, you know, and if he's in the lineup, uh, because if he's not hitting, he'll, he probably won't be in the lineup. You just kind of have to assume that, but there is a clear path in Oakland for someone to take the second base job. The options aren't great. I mean, it's the guys he could, he's competing with. I I feel like he could win the job. And if he does, I mean, I I just, like I said, I think he's going to be fantasy relevant because of the wheels 
Will he hit enough to hold the job? I don't know. I mean, he's not a great hitter. He's not even really a good hitter. High K rate, doesn't walk much. There's a lot there that kind of leaves uh, something to be desired. But it's a world where we're starving for speed. And I just think that as close as he is to the majors, basically going to be in the majors soon, I think that there's worse things than getting him cheap and just seeing what happens. I mean, you're not going to probably have to pay up for the guy. I want to say last year in the startup dynasty I did, he went in like, I don't know, right around maybe round 25, and it was a 50-round draft. So there's just – that's not pricey at all, you know, and – if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. There's worse things that happen than missing on a guy in that range. But if it hits, I mean, we know how bad everybody wants stolen bases. So I've kind of always just had that in my head with Mateo. Does it work out? I mean, I won't be surprised if it doesn't. But I just feel like when you're you're in this range at 90 among prospects and a guy has an 80-grade tool, I'm just going to uh, kind of focus on that and – Hope the rest of it pans out. So, In my startup dynasty last year, I think I got him in the 40s in terms of what round I got him in. Now, yeah. your 25, I think, was in a 20-team league. Yeah. So that should be mentioned. Yeah. But, yeah, his value was down. He had a much better year. I know his value is higher than it was a year ago, but it, I still see him outside the top 100 on a lot of lists. So it's not like he's a costly guy to where it's, yeah, it's worth holding on just to see. Okay, anyone else to talk about before we get to our final 10? Um, I will mention one. Let's see. Who should I pick? I will say Josh Young of the Brewer or of the um, I'm sorry, the Rangers. He was the uh, their first round pick out of Texas Tech and um, he hit 316, 389, 443 in 44 games. 40 of which were at low A. It's it's kind of a hit-over-power guy. Power's just average, and he's really a non-factor on the bases. Should hit for good averages, but I think at third base, he's going to need to hit for more power. And like I've kind of mentioned before, and this was a reason I just wanted to bring him up, but these are the types I just have a little bit of concern with because I look at Josh Young, and it's like he's a third baseman. They typically are good. They're good. He's going to need to have some power you know, to, uh, to get to re really matter in fantasy. And I'm not saying he can't, but it hasn't, uh, it hasn't shown up a ton yet. Um, so any, even, you know, going back to his college days, it's just kind of, like I said, average power. So if that develops a little bit more, he could make more of an impact, but I don't really think he's going to be a difference maker if he doesn't. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that said, he, he should hit, hit enough to drive counting stats, Probably will have value in deeper formats, but it's kind of one of those corner already profiles that it just, uh, he's got to hit, you know? So. And he's got to stick at third. You've mentioned this before, but if you start off at third base, yeah, you, that means you could be at risk of moving over to first base. If you're not holding up at third to where, yeah, you put that guy at first base and then that's a lot of pressure on the path. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He does have a strong arm. So I think he's, he's probably a good bet to stick there, but. You know, we'll see. Okay, well, we'll move on to the final 10 here, 91 through 100. We got Brayon Rocchio with the Cleveland Indians at 91, Nick Solak 
Utility guy with Texas Rangers is at 92. Cabrian Hayes with Pittsburgh third baseman is at 93. Seth Beer, great name, with the Arizona Diamondbacks first baseman, 94. Tyler Freeman with the Indians is at 95. Shane Baz with Tampa, 96. Nick Lodolo with Cincinnati is at 97. Aaron Bracho, Bracho, I think that's right. Yeah, Second Bracho. baseman for Cleveland is at 98. Brett Beatty with the Mets at 80, 99. And finally, number 100, Luis Garcia with the Washington Nationals. I want to start off on this group giving you props on Cabrian Hayes first. I see him much higher on some other lists I've seen. And I'm with you on not seeing it. So tell us all why you hate Cabrian Hayes so much. <laughs> I had to laugh when I saw that in the notes. <laughs> but, um, no, I, yeah, I actually, uh, I actually think I could stand to have him lower the more I thought about it. But he's here. I mean, he's, he's an elite defender, so double, double plus defense at third plus arm. He's going to be a regular unless his bat is just absolutely terrible. But it shouldn't be. I mean, he's a fine hitter, average to above average hit tool, average power. My main my main issue with with Hayes is he's just offensively he's just average to me, and he could contribute, I guess, a little bit more in steals than your typical third baseman does, which is nice. But I mean, it's going to have to be in the twelve to fifteen range, I think, to make it interesting. And even then, I don't know if he has the power for the position. In 1,731 career at-bats in the minor leagues, that's a lot, by the way. He has, tw- he has yes. 25 home runs and a career 399 slugging percentage. So at third base, it's just kind of – it's a, just a tough profile. I, there's natural loft to his swing. I mean, he the power could uptick, but I just don't ever think it's going to be crazy – he had a 92 WRC plus at AAA last year, which is below league average. I don't know. The rest of the skill set, it just kind of leaves me uninterested. And I um, I don't see anything that really jumps out at me. Like with Pache, who I made a lot of these, you know, he's going to play good defense and be in the lineup. I think Pache is a really good runner. He's not a really good base dealer, but there's some things there with him that I think can pop a little bit more. And I just don't really see what's going to pop with Cabrian Hayes. Like I said, he'll be in the lineup. It's Pittsburgh. They're a bad team. He's going to get run. But um, I don't know. For fantasy, I'm just I'm just not interested. I'm with you. Uh, Seth Beer, crowded situation in Houston that he was in when he was drafted, but with a DH at least. Um, that's a Jordan Alvarez. Looks like he's got that one pick, that position taken up for a while. And going to Ari- going to Arizona last year seemed to be better thing for his playing ta- path to playing time, but also worse in a way because of his defense. But now there's being talk of a DH possibly as soon as this year, assuming we get baseball. And Beer seems like he'd be one of the best minor leaguers who would benefit the most from that, wouldn't he? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He's a, he's a really divisive player. Um, good hitter with power, good approach, but that's really it. I mean, he, he's not a good runner. He's bottom of the scale runner, arguably a 20 and 
not a good defensive player either. So he's really, it's like one of those guys he's just going to have to mash. I do think that there's a chance that he does. I mean, like I said, it's a good bat. Uh, he did have a uh, 162 WRC plus in the Texas League before he was traded. Hit 26 home runs across high A and double A with a 289, 388, 516 slash. So it's definitely good. I mean, like like you said, NLDH could help him. But um, he's still going to have to keep hitting because it's it's really like his only out, you know. Like there's no yes. there's no other scenario that Seth Beer is going to carve out fantasy relevance than continuing to mash. Because if he doesn't continue to mash, what good is he? I mean, he's not good on defense. He doesn't add any value with speed. I mean, that's it. But like I said, I mean, he's he's ranked here because I think he could continue to do that. Yeah, and being a slow lefty and he's you know, pulls the ball over forty percent of the time, he's gonna get shifted too. To where that that is going to make it harder for his batting average to hold up to where he is gonna need to be taking walks and you know, I I mean I could easily I could I think the most likely scenario is this guy's like a two forty to two sixty hitter with a three twenty, three thirty on base and power to where you yeah, it's just not a elite level if you're getting something like that, but there's still value in that. I want to throw out a few more names on this list I don't know too much about. We got Rokio, uh, Tyler Freeman, and Shane Baz. Why don't you tell me and the listeners about these guys? You don't have to do them all. Just do whichever ones you want to do. Yeah, Rokio is... Uh... 2017 uh, international signing period. He signed with the Indians out of Venezuela. Numbers, if you just if you just look at his stat line, they're they're not really impressive. 107 WRC plus, five homers, 14 steals. Um, he was the third youngest position player though at um, Mahoning Valley. It's the short season affiliate for the Indians. Nicknamed the professor, high baseball IQ, and uh, just overall baseball awareness. So it's one of those guys that I, I just think you have to kind of ignore the ignore the stat line for now. Uh, the tools are pretty good. He can hit, plus runner. And um, just keep in mind how young he was for the league when you're evaluating him. That's just one of those things. When he's, he's playing in an advanced league for his age, and any time guys are doing that, you kind of have to give him a pass a little bit. Um, nice year in full season ball. Definitely, he'll be uh, he'll be moving up lists. So, and then with with Freeman, I have him at ninety five. He's kind of one of those guys that's all over the board from what I see. He's just there's just there's people that are crazy high on him and down on him and kind of all over the place. But he's got a good hit tool. Uh, I think a lot of Tyler Freeman of what I said about Nico Horner in that I think he can be a good hitter, but I don't know where the rest of the fantasy value is going to come from. And unless he's just a top of the lineup guy that scores a lot of runs and hits for a high average, which he could be that. I mean, he definitely could. I don't really know where, where the rest of it comes from. I mean, he has below average power, average speed. And um, I just wonder about the home run stolen base totals at the big league level. I'm really curious to see how he handles uh, handles double A because that once you get to double A, it's kind of like the big the last big test. 
before you get to the majors. Triple A is just kind of almost like an extended bench. I look at, I mean, I kind of just view it like that because a lot of, um, a lot of non-prospects are at triple A and the really good prospects when they get there, it's almost kind of like they're not there long. So double A is kind of the biggest hurdle in the minors until you get to the main, uh, the two biggest hurdles are high A to double A. And then obviously getting to the majors is the biggest one, but um, so yeah, I'm cu- I'm just curious to see how Freeman Freeman handles Double A. Who was the other one you said? Shane Bass. Uh, Shane Bass. Yeah, the uh, the third piece in the in that Archer deal. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to, thoracic to re- outlet syndrome, Chris Archer? To recap it, Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now, and Shane Bass. So anything Shane Bass does, I mean, it's kind of icing on the cake, isn't it? But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two double plus pitches, seventy grade fastball, seventy grade slider, or at least close to it. Uh, good, you know, good reliever f- floor with uh, potential for more. I mean, I if he develops the third pitch or gets the control in order, his control could use a little work. But he did cut the walks last year from five point one per nine to four point one per nine. Uh, with the Rays, I mean, you just you don't know what they'll do. They'll wind up doing because they're just getting so creative. And, plan is to start for now but i think he has a path to being a absolute wipeout reliever potentially uh but he could still start too I, I think the next one to two years will probably answer that question uh his stuff's electric i mean he, he hits 100 he's he's got nasty stuff anyone else here you want to highlight i'll pick one more your boy Solak. yeah my boy what do you what do you think? Would you have him higher? Uh, no, because I'm I'm not saying that he's one of those guys with some huge upside. If he was higher, he wouldn't be much higher. I don't think if I set if you got him at ninety and if I was making a list and I had him at seventy five or something, that might be where I would have him without looking and without making a list. Yeah, and hard to argue that at this point of a, at this point of rankings. So no. Yeah. So Solak at ninety two. Uh, Good hitter, good bat to ball skills. He's been traded twice too. <laughs> Thought of that was weird. Yep. Mentioned it earlier from the Yankees to the Rays and then to the, uh, the Rangers. No, that's because he's so highly coveted. Yeah, correct. There's a difference. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I like what you did there, but yeah, he um, after he was traded, he pretty much tore up the uh, the PCL 145 WRC plus 653 slugging in 30 games. And then he, that's because he's that good. Then he did pretty well in his in his cup of coffee too. Two ninety three, three ninety three, four ninety one, and thirty three games in the majors. So, I, main questions with Solak, I, I have no clue where he's going to end up on defense. I, second base, third base, left field. I think it could be any of them. And he's not a good third baseman, so you don't want him as a full time third baseman. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, I mean. He could be one of those guys that just plays all over the place and qualifies everywhere and gets enough bats in where you don't really care that much because he's valuable that way. But he'll need to continue to hit. But, I mean, I, I don't really see a reason why he wouldn't. I mean, he's basically major league ready and has proven he can hit at the higher levels. So. Yeah, he did only steal seven bags last year after stealing 21 the previous year. So it's hard to project – Anywhere like I, you, if he gets double digits, you got to just be thrilled at this point. Seven for nine. It's not like he was getting caught a lot, but he wasn't running as much last year. Yeah. 
One, okay. one quick thing I'll say to anybody who is just looking at minor league numbers and stat lines, Pale, you've noticed a lot throughout all this. I've said WRC plus a lot. And the reason for that is that number, I'm, I know most people know, but I'm just going to reiterate, 100 is league average. And anything above that is above average and below that is below average. But the reason you look at that is because these leagues are very different in the minor leagues. And when you look at a guy in, like, say, the Pacific Coast League, you're going to see numbers that just pop off the page. They they all are crazy numbers. If a guy is was in the Pacific Coast League, Pacific Coast League and doesn't have crazy numbers, then it's time to worry. You know, like they should have those numbers. So it's good to look at WRC plus as kind of a baseline. The polar opposite is the Florida State League, which is high A um, for you know about half the league, and that is an extreme pitchers league. So you'll see guys in high A in that league that their lines don't look that impressive, but they were actually pretty good. Nolan Gorman was a good example. If you look at his high A line and I don't remember exactly how many games it was with Gorman. I don't, it wasn't a ton, but it doesn't look that impressive, but it was still an above average uh, WRC plus. So just things to keep in mind when you're looking at minor league stats, because there's so many, variations to those leagues and um, teams they're facing the pitchers they're facing stuff like that so i think wrc plus is a good tool to kind of weigh how they were against the competition that's a real good point that's a real good point all right closing questions here andrew first one for you who just missed this cut who are some of the bubble guys that didn't quite make the list so since i since i made the list I've been working on uh, I've been working on ranking guys beyond the top 100, uh, kind of in the 100 to 200 range. And I'll give you three hitters and three pitchers that I have near the top. Um, the pitchers are Kyle Wright of the Braves. Mm-hmm. He's probably 101 for me. Um, Daniel Espino of the Indians. And, jo- and Josiah Gray of the Dodgers. Those are those oh, yeah. are probably my top three pitchers. And then top three hitters, Cody Hosey of the Dodgers, Michael Bush of the Dodgers. I've got a lot of Dodgers in here. And uh, Francisco Alvarez, the catching prospect for the, for oh, the yeah. Mets. So those are guys that are, I would say, in the top five to ten beyond the top 100. Um, then I'll, I'll skip down on questions and ask you this one. Cause I think that might, this might be a good at one to ask right afterwards who outside the top hundred will be a big riser a year from maybe let's just say when baseball resumes big riser as in how high like how moving high? up the ranks like 50 it doesn't matter like let's say they move up into the top 50 Who, who's one of the biggest risers uh i'm going to say alexander ramirez of the mets that's funny because i was just about to say i thought to myself as i asked this question i thought no matter what you say, I'm going to ask you about that Mets international guy that we talked about a few months ago. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. But I have a share. Yeah. yeah. I actually, 
he's not too far down outside the top 100, but it, it's another guy like Hedbert that I'm willing to be aggressive on just because um, I think that it's like a combination of tools that once he just starts playing could really explode. He's got big power and stuff and just a nice all around skill set. Uh, pitcher, I'll say, I'll say two, uh, Blake Walston, who was the Diamondbacks, uh, first round pick. I believe he was first rounder last year. And I'll say Hunter Green coming off Tommy John. Cause That's a good I one. think he, if he shows he's healthy, could just, um, could move back up. I'm yeah, I'm definitely a little, I'm a little conservative on him right now. Cause I just kind of want to see it. Obviously he's a pitcher, but yeah, those are guys I think could move up. And that guy's got good makeup. That's what I remember him coming out of the draft is he was a really good makeup guy. Um, moving back to Ramirez. I think it's funny. I'm just remembering as we're about, uh, we didn't talk at all about prospects this off season. We play in leagues together. We just don't talk. We have never talked to prospects during the off season. And I remember reading up on Ramirez and thinking, oh, I think I want to get aggressive on this guy. And I missed out on him in our league. You and I both did. Somebody leap, j- jumped on him before either one of us got a shot. And you said to me at that time, you said, that's a guy I would be I would be watching. Get that guy in any of your other drafts you have. And I was smiling because I was thinking, all right, good. I was on the same boat there. I was thinking I wanted to get aggressive on that guy. Yeah, I think he went. I want to say I got him in two of my four leagues, but I want to say he went in the maybe the late late, late second. second. And to Top yeah, third. to me when you're in that spot, and I know that that's still fairly early, but it's just I mean, what's the risk if he doesn't hit? You know, yep. and if he hits, I mean, we've seen it before, but it can be pretty loud with those types. So. Okay, um, who rose the most as you made these in terms of maybe as you where they started versus once you finally finished? Who were, who was one of the guys you probably moved the most up? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about this because it's kind of uh, it's kind of tricky because I've had in my head for so long this order or at least close to this order. You know, I don't feel like I was moving guys a ton, but. One I'll say, and it may surprise you, but I would say C.J. Abrams was a big one. And not it wasn't so much, I mean, obviously I have him at eight, and I, I probably, when I first put the list, just, you know, when I first made the list, like just li- basically just typing guys in, not really even having them in an exact order, but close, I probably had him around 15. And that may not seem like a big jump, but a seven-spot jump from 15 to eight, is a yeah. lot bigger than a seven spot jump from 70 to 63, you know? So I just think when you consider where he is on the list, I mean, he was just a guy I kept moving up. And honestly, if you wanted to put him at, I think the point I would start to argue would probably be around like four or five, but I mean, I could even see moving him up another spot or two. So yeah, that that's, Probably the one. The other one I thought of was Spencer Howard, uh, the Phillies pitcher. I don't even really know if we covered him much when we went through the first half of the show, but he's just close to the big leagues. The Phillies kind of have a need for pitching. He could be that. Um, and, yeah, he's just been uh, been good since he was drafted in 2017, over 11 Ks per nine at every stop. So 
And I kind of felt like over the course of the offseason, the more and more I was digging into him, I just I liked him a little bit more and more. So I've got him at 35, and he was definitely lower than that, say, in you know December. Yeah, he's close. He could be up right away whenever baseball resumes. So who, who of all the guys we talked about today, who do you think you would pick as your guy that you think would be, let's say you had to pick just one that's in the top 20 a year from now or a year from when baseball resumes, who would that be? Like from 51 to 100, you're saying, right? Yes. Who would you plant that flag on as this is my guy to pick? Well, I'll say when we say a year from now, I'll say a year from when baseball starts back up just because – if there, for some reason, is no baseball this year, the list in one year from now will look very similar to this just because there won't have been much. But I will say Brennan Davis. I think okay. he has – I had him at 58. I could see him getting to the top 20, yeah, if, uh, you know, if he does it for another year. He has just pretty much every tool. I mean, it's just uh, continuing yes. to prove it. He can do it all. And the other guy, and I like I kind of know we mentioned, I, it's probably a little bit more of a long shot, but I, I think Robert Poisson has that upside too. I mean, if he, if for mm-hmm. whatever reason Robert Poisson just takes off and crushes from the beginning, he's going to fly up the list. I mean, there's just no, there's no doubt about it. But like I said, he's ranked where he's ranked because I have some questions of that. But the upside is that, in my opinion. Agreed. Okay, um, let's see. Who dropped the most as you were doing these ranks? You know, it's hard to pinpoint one, but I would probably say Nico Horner. I kind of, I think there was a point where I, I just had him up higher, like maybe in the 30 range and just, you know, because he's close, obviously, and he should be yeah. solid and all of that. But the more I was looking at a lot of these other guys, I was like, man, I would, I would trade him for him. I would trade him for him. I would trade him for him, you know, and it just kind of just kept moving down. But, um, I do think he should be, should be solid probably, but it's just, I have some questions there about the secondary skills. So that's probably my guy. Okay. Well, you did it. How do you feel after making your first list and doing a couple podcasts here on it? Pretty good. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I think I gave you this list almost two weeks ago now. It's been about a week and a half maybe, but I really wouldn't change too much. I, I've thought about, like, what would I, you know, because I, I pretty much try not to look at it too much once I send it to you, the final one, and I uh, I really wouldn't change much. Maybe a guy here or there, I might move up a couple spots or down a couple spots, but it's not much. I'm I'm pretty happy with it for the most part. Granted, the longer time that you spend away from the list and then you go back to it, the more likely you are to want to move guys, but I feel good about it. I thought it was fun and I thought it was a great list. It's good to get in, to get inside your mind on this and see exactly where where you value these guys because I know you know your stuff and you do your research. You read a ton, you watch video. You're you're in there as much as just about anybody I know. And it's good to, this was a lot of fun. And we got, we had some great comments from people over the course of the last week since we posted that. And I think it has been received very well by the listeners. 
So thank you for doing this because it was a labor of love, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, it really is like kind of my, uh, I mean, obviously like we both love fantasy baseball. We both love baseball, but I think prospects are really kind of, uh, kind of my passion. It's just really fun to kind of look at the next wave of guys that are going to come through. And obviously a lot of these guys will never amount to anything. That's part of it too, you know? But, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I definitely dig a lot on these guys, go to some games, watch some games, you know, kind of combination of all that. So I, uh, definitely had a lot of fun doing it. You just said uh, something. We got a draft that made me think of the draft. It's next week, isn't it? Yeah. The MLB draft. Yeah, the draft is uh, the first round is next Wednesday. So, how how much have you been following that? A uh, pretty good bit. Yeah, a little bit. I would say a little bit more than a uh, little bit more than normal, just because of there's nothing. Else. There's really, I mean, there's nothing else going on baseball wise. So, yeah, more than normal. But um, yeah, it'll be. It'll definitely be fun. I think I know the first round's Wednesday, and then I think it extends into Thursday, and I'm not sure beyond. I know it extends into Thursday, but I'm not sure beyond that. Maybe to Friday, I have to look. But yeah, first round's uh, Wednesday. Not as much going on, so more time to watch the kids. You know, I take my daughter almost every night. We moved in April. I told you guys about that, and we live across from a park with a rec center right there. There's a little league baseball going on all the time as we're on our walks, and I'm been trying to get some scouting reports on these little kids so far. <laughs> see which one I think is going to make it. So, so far, I think the one with the with number seven. I think that one's got a real good arm. Nice, nice. <laughs> just got to you. Just got to send those uh, send those scouting reports into the big league teams. Yes, yes, something to do. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. <laughs> All right, uh, last question for you before we get out of here. How was the Roy Halladay documentary? Uh, it was, it was kind of dark, actually. It was, it was good. I mean, Halladay is one of my, probably one of my ten favorite players ever in my lifetime. I mean, he was definitely one of my guys. But the, um, I was expecting. I guess I just didn't know what to expect as much. But it was only probably ten to fifteen percent of it about baseball. And 85 to 90 percent of it about um, kind of what happened at the end, you know, and his demise. A lot of a lot of just it was just kind of sad, but it's it was good. It was well put together. I will say that. I mean, it was well made. And His wife's on there a lot talking about a lot of things that people just didn't know about him. So I definitely would recommend watching it. Just don't just don't expect it to be all about his career. Because it's it's not at all. I um I've got a DVR. I definitely plan on watching it. You know, I can't think of anybody who I was more sad watching in their final years as they were struggling. I, I it may have only been a year. He retired pretty quickly when he when it started to go for yeah. him. But I don't remember being about as sad as anybody for anybody as it was him. I was for him. Yep. Because that guy that guy just had a co- competitive. He had a burn in him, and I know a lot of those guys do, but I don't know. They're just something different about Roy Halladay. Yep. Okay. Well, I guess we'll be coming back. We've got some draft. We may talk about that down the line. we got some other things we may circle back to, but it's been fun doing this, 
and we'll be back in another week or two, hopefully, and talk about something. We'll we'll have something. We don't, I don't know exactly what yet, but we'll come back with something here in the next couple of weeks. That sound good? Yep. If anybody has any questions about why I ranked so-and-so here or why I have so-and-so there, just let me know. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter with any of that. So. Yes, and again, that list is fully viewable on the Facebook group. I didn't, didn't you tweet it? Too? Yeah, it's it's pinned on my Facebook or on my uh, Twitter page. So. so yes, you can go to at amcq82. I might pin that to the baseball three sixty five Twitter account. Also, we should have that pinned to the top so that people have easy access or go to our Facebook group. And check it out. Probably easiest to find it on Twitter, actually, because yeah. I don't think we have it pinned at the top of the Facebook group. So go to Twitter to catch that list. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, give us good questions. If you give some good feedback, maybe it's something we'll even ask on the show. And that might be what we do next, actually. Andrew is making Dynasty rank, um, polls right now with a bunch of different guys that are going close together in ranks that are viewed pretty similarly and asking who'd rather have what. And I think we are who'd rather have which player of the group. And maybe that's what we'll circle into next. Yep, sounds good to me. Yep, sounds good to me. Okay, well, uh, until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.